a good reflex. My reflexes are fine, Drew. I've been Ooh. in Europe for a couple of weeks. I've been training. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Taking this secret reflex-generating medication that only they only sell in Ireland? Dude, you've, you've been to Eurovision. You know how reflexive people in Europe can be. Yeah, and I've taken all their Euro drugs. <laughs> Not true. I saw zero drugs at Eurovision. I was kind of expecting it to be a, uh, you know, like an ecstasy fest. But I think I think it's a lot more of a uh, a wholesome crowd. Right. Did you go to any Eurovision after parties? No, I heard tell of them, but you go. No, I, I didn't have my, my tickets were not special enough. I guess. I bet you saw a lot of flesh, a lot of things getting hidden underneath tongues at those parties. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it was pretty <laughs> awesome. We're not yeah. here to talk about Eurovision, Danny. We're not? Uh, well, I mean, we could. Video game documentaries. Is that why we're here? What, yes. what are we... You've been out for a while. I have. I on, on the road. Yeah, I was at E3, the video game thing, and then I went home because uh, my dad turned 70. So I uh, wow. went home with my wife, back to Ireland, uh, via England, because uh, I lived there for a couple of years, uh, the good like four and a half years. So um, this is the first time bringing my wife back to sort of all my old haunts, uh, which was cool because now I have an American driver's license, which means I could rent cars. So <laughs> I drove in England for the first time in my life, um, despite living there for all that time. Uh, and then when I arrived in Dublin, I got a Hertz there too and, and drove around Ireland for two weeks and went up to the mountains and did all the stuff that I used to do when I was on my little dirty provisional for two years in, in Ireland. So that was great. I, I was on the road driving nonstop for like three weeks. So it was uh, it was fun. All right. Well, speaking of driving, welcome to Shift F1. <laughs> of driving. A podcast about speedy race cars or, you know, rental cars. How did I miss the two best races? Oh, my God, Danny. What the fuck? Ugh. Can we talk about Baku some more? Sure. Jesus Man. Christ. Everything that could happen did. That Except for amazing. rain. If there had been rain. Right? I didn't need it. There was, it, was, it was already the slippiest track in the world, apparently. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. Everything about it. You like car you know, crashing, overtaking, battery problems, drivers crashing intentionally into other ones because they <laughs> cut them off on your safety car, a red flag, like just oh god like the tire temp stuff was brilliant it was just they were stuck in this weird limbo where they were kept losing grip and then you know they'd get a safety car and then they wouldn't have any they'd have worse grip and then it would cause another safety car it was like oh it was amazing it was so so, it was it was like the most you know we talk about all you know modern day classic races like Canada comes up a lot in in 2007 or whatever what was it 2011 yeah um you know, all these great races. This was a classic for all the wrong reasons. There's, like, nothing to do with racecraft. Like, maybe a little bit. But mostly it was just, like, you know, Keystone Cops, you know, just It's a really good point. It's not, it's probably not one that, like, Formula One itself would hold up as one of the great races. Yeah, right. But it's one of the most entertaining races I've ever seen. So good. I like, what a great, like... You know, look at Botas crossing, overtaking him with like five feet to go. Like everything about it was just completely absurd. It was like in I think I mentioned it before in the UK, you've got a like Roy of the Rovers. It's like a comic book strip about a, a soccer player, football player. You know, and all the most ridiculous things happen. Like this was totally like you know, you know, Roy of the Rovers, Speed Racer. 
you know, of 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 F one. It was just silliness. Like the the pageantry that happened in that race was just ridiculous. Yeah, the drama, everything. Yeah. So I, Austria I, had a lot to live up to. It really did, and, and boy, did, did it really not live up there. to. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's some there's some fun things to talk about. Uh, hmm. <laughs> starting with the pre race press conference, which had uh, <laughs> those two. Uh, aggressors from Baku, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, on either side of Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, he, he tweeted, uh, in today's press conference, alongside Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel, not sure I'm going to be talking much this time. <laughs> Smiley face. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, uh, Vettel did not incur any additional penalties for uh, that action, but yeah. Hamilton got a five-place grid penalty for a gearbox change, which uh, the team said was not related to the incident in Buck. Right. Yeah. Um, Just good. But, you know, always always good to see the, you know, what would be one of the front rowers probably getting shuffled back into the pack. So, Yeah. It, it, for me, it's always fun to, to watch those guys uh, work their ways through the field, and that's mm. what Hamilton will do because kind of, ah, you know what? I was going to say it was par for the course for qualifying, but not really. We've got Botas out front, yeah. Vettel in second, Raikkonen in third, Ricardo fourth, Verstappen fifth, Grosjean in sixth, mm. uh, Perez seventh, Hamilton in eighth with that five-place penalty. He qualified. I guess that would make it third. Uh, Ocon in ninth, Sainz in tenth, followed by Hulkenberg, Alonso, Van Dorn, Gafiat, uh, Magnussen, Palmer, Massa, Stroll. Ericsson and Verline, who's starting in the pit lane with yep. that problem. Mm. Um, not a lot else to talk about before the race started, but do you want to take us through the start, Danny? Sure. Um, uh, you know, lights out, and and it looked like an incredible start from Valtteri Bottas. Um, it maybe was too an incredible in- start. <laughs> yeah, maybe too incredible, according to uh, some of the other drivers. I think it was both Vettel and Ricardo radioed back to say that they th- thought that he had uh, jump started. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I think it's past those guys. <laughs> Yeah, totally right. Vettel really good at complaining about other people's uh, problems too. Um, he's he's made a good sport of it. Uh, but uh, you know, so the thing about the jump starts obviously is it, it's similar to you know athletics, for instance, in that there is a there is a certain amount of reflex time that is you know humans cannot operate under, and that is also accounted for for a jump start. So you're not allowed essentially to anticipate. Uh, the lights going out in the same way you're not allowed to anticipate the gun going off in you know the 100 meters um, at the Olympics so right. if you guess uh, and you get it right you can still get penalized because you know humans aren't that good exactly they don't want it to be like a guessing game because that essentially was what created like false start after false start after false start in athletics and, and obviously in driving um, there is a, a, a bit of a you know there's a good probably I don't know like three tenths four tenths of a second between engaging the clutch and the car moving I would imagine and that's like a lifetime when, you, when you're going down a, down a straight um, so anyway uh, Botas had a great start uh, and pushed ahead it looked like there was a little bit of battling happening behind him up until the first corner but the biggest thing that happened was that Max Verstappen um, was taken out along with Alonso uh, I think Verstappen Kvyat hit Alonso and Alonso hit Verstappen I believe yeah yep. so what happened Verstappen actually had, had a terrible start he'd anti-stalled on the on the the, the grid which is why um, he 
was so far back when all that stuff happened but essentially uh, Kvyat taking everyone out with what was essentially just breaking too late into the first corner and, and barreling into Alonso yeah, he, he had a, a good start and got, actually got past uh, his teammate, Carlos Sainz, um, mm. and went between Sainz and the wall. And I think, uh, you know, was probably concerned with that. And then the turn crept up on him and surprised him. Uh, and uh, he had to slam on the brakes and he locked up and T-boned Alonso. Yeah. Uh, while up front, the you know, into that first corner... It looked like Vettel didn't have the best start. Ricardo tried to get past him. Vettel kind of moved left and then right, or right and then left, rather, um, uh, trying to, to defend him. Um, I managed to, but uh, Kimi Raikkonen and uh, Ricardo had a little bit of a sort of um, almost coming together on, I think it was the fourth turn, um, pushing uh, Kimi out, which then resulted in him losing... Um, uh, two spots, actually, because the, the Haas of... Was it Roman Grosjean then, I Grosjean, guess? Got past yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So good yeah, start for, I, for two of them and not so great for Kimmy. Yeah, I, I almost had to close my eyes when Grosjean did that because not only did he get by Raikkonen, but he pulled up next to Ricardo. <laughs> right. uh, and I was just like, oh, my God, don't blow this so early. <laughs> but yeah, I was really afraid that he was going to just, you know, smash into him somehow. Uh, in the background as well, Hamilton had moved up into sixth. Uh, you said he had started in eight. Um, uh, Alonso retired, of course, as I said, and uh, so did Max Verstappen. His fifth retirement in seven races. Ouch. Yeah. Such not, a, a lot of them not his fault. <laughs> yeah. Very Most, true. I would say. I, I think even after uh, he had retired, he the camera caught him up on the pit wall talking to Christian Horner, and it sounded like he was saying his car was doing something weird before the oh. incident so it was i think you said a clutch failure or something which would make sense with the um with the the anti-stall on the grid yeah and, and speaking of clutches i actually have a statement from the fia here uh in regards to botas's jump start oh yeah <clears throat> Uh, it says the jump start system judges whether a car and you know there are uh, sensors and telemetry on on board the car that's how they could tell that mm. his reaction time was 0.201 seconds uh, but the statement says the jump start system judges whether a car has moved a preset distance uh, between the point at which the light uh, comes on and the point at which the lights go out. We have found that need to allow for some very small movement uh, as drivers sometimes need to make clutch adjustments in preparation right. for the start. This system, which is dependent on the official timing provided by Formula One, has been in operation for some 20 years and has proved extremely reliable in that time. In today's instance, Valtteri Bottas did not exceed this very small limit uh, before the start was given. So even if you saw tire movement before the light went out, it wasn't necessarily... A jump start is what they're saying. They're interesting because they seem to be answering a different question. Like they're answering the question of whether or not he moved before the light was off. Whereas what we were kind of wondering was whether or not he moved so close to when the light went out that he had anticipated it. So I'm guessing right. that their system is able to, like I said, it, it's like, you know, like a laser or whatever. That's like figuring out how much they're moving in their grid box. And obviously they can move around in the car and then, ch you know, change their clutch stuff, which which may creep them forward, you know, a centimeter or whatever. But that doesn't necessarily answer the question of whether or not he, you know, he was like judging it. He was like Mario Karting himself, basically, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> holding down the accelerator till the right moment. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's 0.2 seconds. Right, yeah, that might be the thing. Which would be great because 0.201 would be the minimum possible Right? <laughs> wow. 
That's like that's like a great record. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he he also just makes a great start after that as well. Like for for getting the reaction time, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you watch these onboards and the car goes like that. He totally. just his is like a linear acceleration. He doesn't yeah. bog down at all. It's just he's going. Um. So yeah, start of his life. He said. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> and also. Uh, after the incident, Alonzo came over the radio and said, I don't know why they push me so much. They cannot play bowling. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. It must be so frustrating to be just like taken out from behind and have absolutely no reason why it happened. Yeah, although it's probably easier to swallow than, uh, you know, technical problems. Because right, at least yeah. this one, you didn't have, a, you know, there was no chance. Yeah. His car uh, probably so. would have broken in in like two laps time, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> two laps from the end. Right. Uh, so after lap one, lap one it is uh, Botas in first, followed by Fettel, mm. Ricardo, Grosjean in fourth, Raikkonen in fifth, Perez, Hamilton, and Ocon, uh, the Force Indias sandwiching Hamilton, and giving him a run for his money, frankly. Uh, Signs in ninth, and Massa in tenth, Stroll, Palmer, Magnussen, uh, Van Dorn, Hulkenberg with a terrible start. Oh, really? Uh, Erickson and Verilon. Yeah, he bogged it down. Um, so yeah, look at those Williams guys. They they did mm. not do so well in qualifying, but they're up in tenth uh, and eleventh. Right. I mean, it helps when three cars have been taken out. It, yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, still fair play. Um, yeah, and it seemed to be uh, you know there seemed to be good battling happen all over the place. I mean, by lap three, Perez was already you know having a little uh, duke with uh, Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Grosjean doing his best to defend uh, <laughs> yes. from Raikkonen. Yeah, and, and kept it up for a while. Although, let's see, he got by. Yeah, lap three is when. Yeah, got by it's a bit of a shame. Points. You could you could tell you could tell it was just because of that Ricardo pushing him out, and it wasn't Grosjean's uh, speed necessarily. When when yeah, he was basically all over his back right away. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a shame, but yeah, good to, good to see him in the mix anyway, Roman. Yeah, Gene Haas. There's a shot of him. Gene Haas displeased. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did yeah. he slam his uh, fist on the table, Toto style? No. He just, you know. Maybe, is, yeah. Chills out a little bit. Yeah. Cool customer. Um, Hamilton does get by Perez for sixth place on lap six. And uh, lap 10, Kvyat is issued a drive through penalty, which uh, he serves a few laps later. Sure does. Um, Hulkenberg pits and goes on to soft tires. I forgot to mention that uh, Lewis Hamilton was the only one of the top 10 who started on super softs. Right. Uh, and this is like a one-stop race as well, isn't it? That people are kind of thinking. Generally, yeah. Mm. Um, so we'll see if that bears out for the Englishman. Mm. Uh, I'm going I'm to try to do that more often, refer to people by their country name, because that's what Ooh. commentators do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he started on super softs. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It looks like most people did a did a one stopper mm. here. Um, and lap fifteen, he starts reporting problems with his tires, mm. uh, which is surprising because the super softs are the the middle the middle softness of the compound here. And I'm not sure this. Well, I was going to say the, I'm not sure the track is that abrasive, but the curbing certainly is. A lot yes. of uh, you know stuff was made of of the curbing around the track, which the NBC. Sports commentators noted that uh, the aggressive curbing is a result of the FIM, the motorcycle oh, FIA equivalent really? 
uh, mandating that they have those curbs there. So it's you not could hear them. I like they were so they were like very noticeably louder. Like whenever the in car cameras were on, you could really hear the like whenever they they Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so Hamilton reporting some problems with his tires. Uh, despite this, though, he's gaining on Raikkonen. Mm. Um, but he, let's see, eventually gets in DRS range around lap 21. And gets by him, I think. When does that? This Can I just mention, this is the fewest amount of notes that I've had on a race, maybe since we started this podcast. Yeah, it's not not a lot happens. Uh, and as an attest testament to that, before we do every one of these, I always watch the wonderful uh, highlights that they now put up on Formula One's YouTube channel, um, which have been great this year. Um, and loads of people are watching them. The the, the one is like three quarter of a million views on the one just you know from from Austria this time around. And I was watching it again just to make sure that it wasn't anything I missed and refresh my memory. It literally laps from it jumps from lap seven to lap forty one. <laughs> <laughs> the FIA deemed that nothing happened in those in the laps in the middle of that or whatever right. 34 laps um yeah it was a it was a strange one yeah uh people actually started coming in it they didn't pit until let's see lap 31 right. is when Hamilton finally pits right when Hulk picked pit, pitted when 15 you said Oh, that's true. Yeah, Hulkenberg oh. pitted 15. Uh, but, but that's a pretty big window. Like, that's a fairly significant window for a for for any race, you know. Presumably Hulk isn't, like, he's not getting rid of good tires. He did go on to the soft tire, though. Oh, yes. So. He was going longer. Some kind of alternate strategy. Mm. Um, and he was pretty far back in the field, so he he, he rolled the dice on that one. Uh, some interesting radio from Raikkonen. His engineer is talking to him, and Raikkonen doesn't understand what he's saying. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, I don't know what the the, the dial you're telling me is. <laughs> I did hear him uh, complain. Actually, I was wondering why he did. Some 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 quality team radio today. Uh, Kevin Magnuson as well. Um, did you hear that one? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. He just said, fuck this. Oh, really? <laughs> and the uh, the Sky broadcasters uh, had to apologize. For oh, his, uh, it came through? Yeah, it came through over the... Yeah, oh, they, wow. they broadcasted it. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was lap 31, so I guess that was when he was retiring? Yeah, so he... Let's see, lap 30 is when smoke starts coming out the back of him, and that's when NBC, of course, uh, cut to a commercial. So Oh, so you missed him saying, fuck this. Yeah. Probably yeah. for the best for NBC. Yes, probably. Fine, but who knows? <laughs> uh, Ricardo Pitts soon after rejoins in fourth place behind Raikkonen, but ahead of Hamilton. So they're mm-hmm. leaving Raikkonen out uh, again, as is Ferrari's mo. He actually yes. stays until lap forty-four or so. Yeah, he uh, came out uh, ahead of Massa, but behind Hamilton, um, or ahead of Grosjean, I guess. Around that. Yeah, Massa um, I think was pitting before. Raikkonen also, of course, complaining of blue flags. And Van Dorn actually comes under investigation and gets penalized after the race for mm. uh, ignoring blue flags. Right. There was a lot of um, they over. They, this felt like an old school F one race, and that the top four seemed to have overtaken pretty much everyone by the time the the end of the race had come around. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. a tiny track. Yeah, it is. I mean, what is it? Seventy one laps. Like it's a, such a fast lap. I couldn't believe it when when. Um, uh, 
Perez and Hamilton were fighting on the third lap. I was like, this race just started. Yeah. It was really gobbling up uh, gobbling up the, the laps. Like a Monaco almost, you know, just like flying through them. Totally. I think it is the shortest. Shortest? Yeah. Is it see. shorter than Monaco? Fastest lap on this race went to Hamilton with 107.4. Right. So it's, it would be a faster track than Monaco, obviously, because Monaco's a street circuit. Um, but how many laps? 78 laps in Monaco. Okay. So, more laps. Yeah. Guessing shorter. I don't know. Uh, but let's continue on here with these uh, very few notes. Uh, <laughs> interesting shot Does of Jensen the Does Button turn up? Because you just said, but let's continue on. And I thought mm. you were, like, Easter egging me. Yes, uh, I, I'm part of a Jensen Button conspiracy, trying to work him into every piece of media. There's a lot of red tape on my walls. Right, Illuminati. Uh, there is a cool shot of the helicopter, though, which you don't get to see that often, and it was, was one of the coolest things that I thought uh, we saw in Austin. Yes, totally. Yeah, you're right. Because of, yeah. of that sort of height discrepancy that happens there as well. Yeah, you're right. This track does have a lot of undulation. In yeah, God. It was amazing. It was, it was like something out of a like a, an action movie, like an F1 car driving towards you with like, um, like a helicopter behind it, right. like following low. It seemed like low. It seems like it's unnaturally low, but it obviously is like they're looking up a hill or something. Right. I wonder if that's a you know a factor of the the lenses they use. Right. Or something. It was amazing. Uh, Botas does pit lap forty one. Kind of a slow stop. The right front goes on slow, and uh, mm. Raikkonen is told to keep pushing. And then I guess he pits because I had another commercial break. So thanks NBC Sports <laughs> Network. Uh, and we come back, and Signs has retired. Rice. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall why. He was pretty close to the end as well, Rice. Hmm. Well, I mean, halfway through forty six. Yeah, I guess. Uh, lap 47, Botas is four seconds ahead of Fettel with 24 laps to go, so I'm not hmm. sure Fettel can catch him. Uh, meanwhile, Ricardo is just cruising, kind of far away from everyone else. He, by the way, is the top scorer of the last four races in, of anyone. Ricardo? Yeah, he's gotten the wow. most points. Consistent. Yeah, he's been having a lot of shoeies. That's true. Oh, Patrick Stewart. Oh, the best. Was, wasn't that so good? Yeah. <laughs> he was... He chug that thing man he did Patrick Stewart is a good sport he's yeah he's just a great person in, in like, general I think yeah what a nice dude I have a friend of mine who was in a show with him um, in England really? for, a couple of, for a couple of months yeah yeah he was in Merchant of Venice at the Globe a friend of mine Jamie Beamish and uh, he played uh, alongside him for, for months because it was Shylock and I guess is it G- Godot Godo or whatever is it not waiting for Godot a different one Gobbo is it I forget but uh, yeah he, he told me some stories about him he's like super nice guy kind of quiet and a little bit like reserve on his own a bit like isolationist a bit but like very very lovely to everyone um, else on the show he sounds sound like a super dude and he loves Formula 1 as well he's like genuinely a fan awesome yeah I believe it he, he seemed to he did a great interview so you should just have him for do that all the time totally yeah get fucking Eddie Jordan out of there yeah <laughs> uh, did you see the Verstappen interview did they play that on the Sky feed uh, after the race uh, it was during the race um, I at least NBC cut in with it uh, no I don't think I did see Verstappen talk Will Buxton asks him in the you know that little pen that they put the drivers in for media mm. stuff uh, did you break a mirror or kick a black cat or something how much bad <laughs> luck can one guy have 
Verstappen says, uh, I didn't kick a cat, but all, I did all of those bad luck things before 2013, and that was my best season, so maybe I should do that again. Right. <laughs> Uh, oh my 54 Vettel's engineer says possibility of a rain at the end of the race. So yeah. um, spice things up, but it doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. A little uh, bit of battling, though. Good battling between him and Ricardo. Yeah, some some great battling. In fact, uh, lap, lap 62, Botas has some really bad banding on his rear left tire. And he said after the race that he uh, was experiencing a blister on that second stint of tires five laps into them. So he, he's been struggling a while, and it makes sense because Vettel's only two seconds behind at this point with mm. uh, nine laps to go and is making up quite a bit of time per lap. So uh, Hamilton also making up some time on Ricardo is a 1.5-second gap to them at lap 65, Hamilton making up 0.3 seconds per lap. Uh, Perez also reports a little drop of rain, so maybe something coming down on the track, but it didn't really seem to matter. Uh, lap 68, you, you can see from the onboards that three of Ricardo's tires are graining. Uh, and Hamilton yeah. at this point is almost within DRS range. Uh, lap 68, also Vettel is 1.3 seconds to Botas and two laps later gets into the DRS zone. So lap 70 and 71, uh, are shaping up to be, uh, thrilling. Yeah. Lap 70, Hamilton does make a run on turn four, but Ricardo does a great job uh, diving deep and defending, to which his engineer says, okay, mate, this is the last lap. Get your elbows out. This is for the podium. <laughs> uh, which, you know, I I love hearing Ricardo's engineer talk to him because he's so unlike, it's it's so unlike all the other uh, words that are said to drivers out yeah. there, which are said with that very... Massaging. Massa- but it's like, to me, that would... That would make me feel more uh, stressed because I know that they're trying to keep me calm. Whereas Ricardo's guy's like, all right, here we go. Let's do it. It's like fucking Ricky Bobby, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, they're so relaxed with him. And like, even in Ricardo's like worst days, he never like lashes out. He's just like disappointed and solemn. Whereas like so many of the other drivers are snappy in that way. Like Mm -hmm. Hamilton and Vettel and Kimi and... You know, Alonso, even though he's quite well-natured, like, there is that sort of, like, bite in them. Uh, whereas Ricardo's just, like, pretty chill. So, yeah, totally. I, I think that's why a lot of people like him as well. Yeah, agreed. That's why I like him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hamilton does try it again on the final lap, uh, but Ricardo gets some help from Perez and uses him kind of as a block. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he manages to keep the position and come in third place. Fettel gets close, to, but Botas takes it for first place, his second win of his career. So, yeah, some great last battles there. Mm. Uh, and some great team radio from Ricardo saying, Yeehaw! <laughs> and growling. He goes like, <laughs> When in Austria, Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> His, his engineer was cracking up also at that, <laughs> yeah. which, was, which was And we got some good uh, green room camera mics. Oh, I missed all this. I was so, like, falling asleep during this race that by the time they crossed the line, I just fucking went to bed. I yeah. Crashed. Yeah, there was, uh, Ricardo pointed to Botas and just said, your start, man. And then Vettel jumps in and is like, he jumped it, 100%. <laughs> what, did the Valtteri say anything? He, sound, he probably he's, just laughed it off. He just kind of shrugged and was like, yeah. yeah. And that all said, uh, again, like Russia, I need more laps. Which, right, yeah. You know, that's, that's the game, man, of course. Yeah, it's like, I need more <laughs> wheels. <laughs> <laughs> if I started in front of you, I would have won. Yeah, you're right. right. Totally, yeah. 
uh, Martin Brundle did do a shoey. Oh, great. Uh, and then, oh, they were talking about that on the Sky feed, actually, that he'd have to do one. So he was like jokingly saying he hoped Hamilton would pass Ricardo in the last lap <laughs> so he wouldn't have to. He did, he did it for charity. He said he, said, uh, he wanted to keep oh. the shoe. Oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Ricardo tried to get Botas to do it, but Valtteri just like shoved it away. That's, that's going to become a thing now. If Valtteri keeps winning and Ricardo keeps being there, eventually, like... Because he tried to win him do it last time as well with Patrick Stewart and he wouldn't, so... Right. Yeah, we'll see. Last, last race of the season, I think, would be a great right. time for him It's to like trying to get it. Kimmy to smile. It's <laughs> right. like, it's just one of these things. It happens every once in, once in a generation and we got to be there when it happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here is the result. Botas in first, followed by Fettel and Ricardo rounding out the podium. Hamilton in fourth, followed by Raikkonen. Grosjean holding out for sixth place. Nice. Perez, Ocon, Massa, and Stroll, both Williams's and both Force India's, getting points. Palmer in the unfortunate So close. Seat. So yep. close. Van Dorn in 12th. Hulkenberg 13th. Verline, Ericsson, Kafiat. Uh, and then signs Magnuson, Alonso, and Verstappen all out of the race. Mm. Uh, Botas, for his part, is only 15 points behind Hamilton in the Drivers' wow. Championship. Yes, Crazy. it's Vettel with 171, uh, Hamilton with 151, Botas with 136, Ricardo with 107, Raikkonen with 83, Perez with 45, Verstappen with uh, I'm sorry, Perez with 50, Verstappen with 45, Ocon's got 39, Sainz has 29, uh, Massa's got 22, he's in 10th place, Stroll's got a solid 18, so does Hulkenberg and Grosjean, which I also I saw on uh, an F1 Fanatic uh, comment post, someone saying, um, Stroll, Hulkenberg, and Grosjean all have the same number of points, but they all have had wildly different seasons. Yeah, totally. Which is, just goes to show how crazy this stuff can can shape out. Yeah, it's been a fun year. You know what I mean? Like, there's been a lot of variety, a lot of different winners, and a lot of like different battles going on. So, yeah. and hey, man, someone other than Lewis Hamilton is in first place at the drivers' right. championship. Yeah, so that's it's crazy. Fun. Uh, Kevin Magnussen's in 14th place with 11 points, followed by Verline with five, Kvyat with four, Alonso with two, and then Palmer, Ericsson, Van Dorn, and Antonio Giovinazzi with zero. <laughs> Mercedes has 287, Ferrari's got 254, Red Bull's got 152, Force India, which might be renamed Force One. Did you hear that? I did, yeah. That seems, uh, I mean, sure. I love Whatever. Force India. Force India yeah. sounds like a future space, you know, future police thing. <laughs> That's why I've always been a fan of them. <laughs> nice. Uh, they've got 89 points in fourth place. Uh, ahead of Williams, who's got 40, Toro Rosso's got 33. Nice. Haas has 29, Renault's got 18, Sauber's got 5, and McLaren, they got some points. Mm. Your driver of the day on Formula1.com slash vote is Valtteri Votas. Of course it is. Yes. You and as I Valtteri Votas. Nice. Thank you. Nice. That's, there's your hashtag for, for the official yep. Valtteri Votas <laughs> Twitter account. Uh, as mentioned, Kafiat and Van Dorn both given two penalty points on their super licenses uh, for their actions in the race. Um, and that's all I've got for the Austrian Grand Prix, Danny. Anything else? We got a whole other Grand Prix to talk about. 
We do. Let me hit some. Uh, let me hit you with some news here. Uh, oh, nice. That happened uh, between these two grands prix. Uh, although, you know what? I asked a, a French speaker what the plural for grand prix yeah. is. And she I would imagine grand it is prix. grand prix. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And if you're going to pluralize anything, you would pluralize the prix because that's the it's it's grand prize. So you would right. you wouldn't say grands prize. You would say grand prizes. But it sounds funnier when you say Grands Prix. Yeah, it makes it sound more regal. <laughs> or like Grands. Uh like lawyery. Yeah. Uh anyway. <laughs> One time St- Stefan GP boss Zoran Stefanovic. What are the fucking words that are coming out of here? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> what? Plans an F1 team for 2019. This dude uh, previously owned the Stefan GP team. It is might his be name Ste- Stefan. His name is Zoran Stefanovic. Zoran Stefan. He sounds like a fucking alien pretending to be a, a Polish person. Yeah, weren't those the aliens in Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> anyway, uh, he previously owned a, a GP team that fell to the wayside after the FIA denied him entry. Uh, despite the team owner claiming the team had completed its cars and signed Kazuki Nakajima to drive. Right. Uh, but he is trying to secure a target entry for 2019. Uh, Jean-Todd has made it clear that the entries will only be opened up if he feels there are serious candidates ready to fill the place. Jean-Todd. My name is Jean-Todd, and Please I want Jean-Todd. to have 12 teams, which would be great. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, more, teams, more races, more Grand Prix. In the speculation zone, and we'll just stay here, uh, Max Verstappen will for sure be at Red Bull in 2018, according to Christian Horner and his father, Joss Verstappen. We said a similar thing last year, but even more people saying, so Christian Horner saying it, his contract is 100% watertight, and Joss saying, uh, quote, we will stay with the team next year for sure. So I'm just reiterating this for when the inevitable happens and Verstappen moves to Ferrari. You heard it here first. Mm. Uh, except he didn't. Everyone's saying that. Uh, <laughs> other news items. Copenhagen planning a street circuit. Yeah. There has never been a round of the Formula One World Championship held in Denmark. Really? Um, but parts of the layout were designed by former F1 driver Jan Magnussen, father of mm. Kevin. Uh, and the track layout had input from F1 circuit designer Hilman Tilke. Tilke. There's a crossover in this bad boy, right? Yeah, it's a freaking figure eight. Oh, really? Yeah, and includes Jeez. two bridges. Oh, nice. So, it looks weird. Uh, right. I will, I will put a link to the design in the show notes. Um, and finally, Signs says some weird things. Uh, he says, uh, as you all know, my target number one is to be with Red Bull next year. Mm. and start fighting for podiums, wins, whatever they are fighting for next year. I'm going to keep pushing for this. If that doesn't happen, obviously, a fourth year in Toro Rosso is unlikely, and I'm not going to close the door to any opportunity. Mm. So, uh, Christian Horner hit back with, well, I don't think, uh, well, I don't know where he thinks he'll be then. Contracts are clear. It's a little disingenuous for him to be making comments like that when a lot of investment goes into these guys to give them the opportunity. Without Red Bull, he wouldn't be sitting in a Formula One car. So, mm. uh, not exactly... Uh, what's the... what's the When you're... Tr- uh, trouble in Paradise, that's what I'm right. looking yeah. for. The uh, classic Hulk Hogan film. <laughs> classic? Yes. 
Uh, was it a movie or was it a TV show? No, it was a, that was the movie, right? What was the other one? What was the Hulk Hogan TV show? Uh, I, mean, I can't remember. It's the one with the sweet boat. Oh, Thunder in Paradise. Thunder in Paradise. That was it. Yeah, it was a TV show. Yeah. Oh, okay. From the greatest uh, of Baywatch. Suburban Commando. That's the one I'm thinking. Right. Of. There you go. There you I go. get we them confused because they both have a lot of futuristic stuff in them, like the boat, and then he's got like jet boots or something, or a laser gun in the movie. Thunder in Paradise. His name is Hurricane Spencer. That's a pretty good name. Uh, they should have called it Hurricane in Paradise then, or Thunder Spencer. Hurricane Spencer uses a high tech boat on nautical adventures. Mm hmm. It was basically Knight Rider on a... It was like that episode of Simpsons where they have Night Boat. Where it's like Knight Rider but a boat. And they're like, criminals go onto a beach and there's like always like a canal for them to go down. Someone should have told him Simpsons did it first. Right. Uh, all right, let's transition to the British GP. Well, I've got yeah, some news yeah. related to that. The FIA reveals that the new shield head protection design will be mm. tested uh, by a Ferrari in first practice at the British Grand Prix. This Good stuff. Weekend. So interested to see what that looks like. The mock-ups I saw made it look like, uh, you know, like a not a full canopy. A lot of drivers, uh, pretty much every driver is against the full canopy, but it does yeah. look like that sort of, you know, fighter jet shape, uh, but then is open at the top. Kind of, mm-hmm. it's level almost with the uh, the way the headrest around their head kind of swoops up. Right, yeah. It's kind of contiguous with that. Cool. Um, but, you know, we, we shall see. Uh, also, Haas is trying a new brake supplier again. Uh, this is from F1 Fanatic, a quote from Gunther Steiner, the team principal. Mm. Gunther. Uh, we have a plan to fit the cars with carbon industry brakes on Friday in free practice one and two. See if uh, it all works on our second attempt. Uh, if it all works, we will use them over the weekend, but we can only commit to that after we've had one practice. Apparently, they've also done some uh, aerodynamic work with computational fluid dynamics to improve mm. the brake cooling. Uh, and this is the one that they uh, they tried in Sochi, but discovered that they were overheating, so they reverted to right. uh, their original brakes subsequently. But we, again, we shall see. Yeah. Uh, and then the big news, Danny. Big news. Speaking of the British Grand Prix, the contract that they have with Formula One is set to expire after the 2019 race. Mm. Uh, Silverson's promoters telling Formula One they will activate a break clause in their contract. Uh, This is from F1 Fanatic. BRDC chairman John Grant says, We sustained losses of 2.8 million pounds in 2015 and 4.8 million pounds in 2016. And we expect to lose a similar amount this year. Uh, Silverstone paid $11.5 million, I'm sorry, pounds to host the British Grand Prix in 2010. And there's a 5% escalator per year. Right, yeah. Per year, yeah. Uh, it should be noted that that is significantly less than some of the other courses, but then the other courses are, you know, countries that are essentially using this as, like, part of their, you know, publicity budget or whatever, you know what I mean? Like the Sochis and the Bahrains of this world. Sure. Um, they can sort of afford to do that, whereas Silverstone is a, you know, it's a circuit that's got a private members club that has a lot of historical significance but probably doesn't have all that much day trade it's not like a it's not exactly like i don't know like a tourist thing or you know it it doesn't have it's it doesn't have the same breakthrough power as some of those other things doing getting like sochi on the map and you know 
Catter on the map and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's they're in a tricky spot, and you could say that this is just the type of pre-contractual gesticulation that goes on every time. Um, but I mean, I don't know what the. I mean, the, it's, clear, clearly them in liberty have to sit down and like look look at the medium to long term benefits of it having in Silverstone. Yeah, I, I imagine this is just them saying like, "Look, man, we can't like we'll do it in 2019, but we can't keep doing it this way forever." Yeah. So, I mean, Grant uh, does say, "quote I want to be clear that although we have now activated the break clause, we are fully supportive of the changes the Liberty team are making to improve the F1 experience. Mm-hmm. Our hope is that an agreement can still be reached so that the that we can." ensure a sustainable and financially viable future for the British Grand Prix at Silverstone for many years to come. Yeah, and there's probably some, like, you know, very, you know, there's probably a lot of economical, like, financial reasons why they would, in terms of their creditors or liquidity, why they would also want to initiate the break clause, you know what I mean? If they're, yeah. if you're talking about long-term financing, then having that on your books is probably very important as well to be like, okay, we're, we are done after this point, unless something changes. Right. Yeah, it's, it, I I hope I hope things work out because uh, it is the one of two uh, tracks or two Grands Prix to uh, <laughs> to have raced in all uh, fifty or all races since nineteen fifty. The other is right. the Italian Grand Prix. Monza. Yeah, is also at risk of being cut many times. Right. It's Similar reasons. Money, man. Yeah. Reason why we didn't have spa, so it's the reason why we didn't have the Hockenheim ring. It's the same kind of problem, just different country. Yeah. Well, speaking of Silverstone, yeah, did you catch any of the stuff this morning? The F1 Live London stuff. I caught a little bit of the Kaiser Chiefs. Oh, cool! (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there was some uh, some F1 uh, or some Red Bull uh, Twitter action showing Ricardo drifting around a corner with an F1 car. It looked like fun. I would have definitely gone to that. I think it was a was it a last Piccadilly Circus. I think it might have been yeah. around mm-hmm. the around the, the column there. Not Nelson's column, the other one. Um, yeah, it's, it seemed like fun. I saw an interview with Kimi Räikkönen where the interviewer started with, "This is all very exciting, isn't it?" Which is probably the worst opening question you can ask Kimi Räikkönen. Um, or the his, best. Yeah, right. His response was something on the lines of, "For some people." <laughs> <laughs> um, I also saw a great uh, Instagram post from Carlos Sainz Jr. who had to take the tube home because uh, it was uh, so hard to to, to get home um, with all the traffic, I guess. Uh, so it's a picture of him in the tube uh, heading home, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah, it seemed like fun, like a, another great way of they've done stuff like this in London before. Uh, but, you know, another big part of Liberty's push to try and get more eyes on uh, on F1, especially leading up to race weekend. So it was cool. I like them seeing it. Yeah. Good stuff. Should we talk about the race? Let's talk about the race. Silverstone, not to be confused with Silverstone, which is a mispronunciation of a of an otherwise wonderful place. Um, this is, like you said, one of the oldest uh, and, and greatest uh, F1 tracks in in F1's history. We've talked about it a bunch before. Its origins, kind of in the World War uh, to you know airport 
triangular airport looking thing which was then turned into a sort of an illegal racing uh, track and then eventually incorporated in some into some sort of legal um, open wheel racing track um, and has been part of the F1 family for, for donkey's years uh, in those years they have changed the donkey several times uh, most recently only a couple of years back where they sort of added in the, the new arena area um, and now it sits and also swapped where the uh, the, the start finish line was um, and built a wonderful um, sort of uh, facility there at the, at the, at the uh, where the start finish is as well um, it's got a lot of very famous Turns uh, names you'll probably hear a lot if it's your first F1 race you'll hear things like maggots and Beckets and cops and club and stow and Luffield and all these wonderful names um, uh, that you tend to get with a lot of the older circuits uh, where inst- you know the wonderful 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 thing is about F1 is that you tend to have a lot of the same camera angles even decades later so you get very iconic looking corners that you recognise um, and I've been to Silverstone I went to qualifying a number of years back um, and it really is like stepping into a place that's like familiar to you it's a wonderful spot uh, it's got 20 uh, turns in it all in all uh, much longer than the Austrian Grand Prix it's one of the longest in fact 52 laps all in all um, and uh, of those 20 turns probably the most I don't know important ones to look at um, Maggots and Beckets are perhaps some of the most fun turns they've been emulated in such tracks as the Circuit of the America is uh, sort of uh, mid-speed left-right um, left-right turns which are you know we, we tend to get a lot of especially in the the Hermann Tilke uh, you know book school of, of circuit design you tend to get a lot of straights with very deep corners on them at the end Um once you turn out of cops, which is the first turn now on the circuit, uh, you then basically enter this very high-speed turning section and then end up in another straight. So there's like loads of opportunities for people to mess up um, the apex of the turn, uh, especially on Beckett's, which is quite wider than Maggot's, which is the first one, um, leading all the way down into turn seven, which is Stowe. That whole first section of the track is just absolutely tremendous. Um then there's a lot of other like medium sort of straights with places to, to, to overtake into uh, the arena section you don't tend to get that much overtaking around there because of the next big straight that comes up on the way into Brooklyn's in turn 17 um, and then again because of the next area coming up you don't get tend to get that much overtaking uh, on the start finish straight itself because there's a much there's too much longer stra- uh, um, straights right after it uh, it's the type of circuit that kind of in the same way of China I've said before when you first look at it it's kind of difficult to spot you know turns kind of look similar to each other because it's essentially in a massive field um as opposed to something like Monaco which has got lots of iconic uh, buildings around it and whatnot uh, so it's a type of race that I feel like you should watch qualifying or watch practice if you've never watched it before you'll get a much better sense of the areas that exist within the circuit uh, the best way to do it I think always is to give a couple of laps on the game if you have it um, but uh, it's it's one of these races that I think you love the more seasons of F1 you watch because there's a lot going on there's a lot of a lot of turns 20 of them in all um, but there's a lot of strategy for different parts of the track um, as opposed to Austria let's say which is a bit one note in terms of its overtaking abilities so yeah fun track I'm really looking forward to this weekend 
Sweet. Uh, any circuit changes that you know of? I imagine not, because... I don't believe there's any this year. I was reading F1 Fanatic yesterday um, just about the circuit, and they didn't. They haven't mentioned anything about anything. Um, They've got some great stats uh, on the British Grand Prix. Uh, Lewis Hamilton could equal the record for most consecutive wins in a home race at this weekend's British Grand Prix. Interesting. Does Jim Clark have the other one? Uh, the Mercedes driver won the last three races. Silverstone, if he takes a fourth on Sunday, he will match the achievements of one Manuel Fangio. Oh, Fangio. Sorry, I take it back. <laughs> and uh, Jim Clark, who yeah. won their home races in Argentina and Britain four times in a row. Uh, I mentioned Jim because he won the race five times in all um, as well. He, Him and Prost owned the, uh, the most uh, wins. And Hamilton's victory this weekend would be his fifth in Britain, equaling Ooh. that record. Wow. Uh, if Hamilton has a very good weekend, he could overtake Sebastian Vettel and become the championship leader. If he has a very bad weekend, he could be overtaken in the championship by wow. Team Bottas. What a fun year this has been. Yep. Uh, Mercedes have taken pole position the last four years uh, for races at this track. <laughs> uh, if Hamilton takes pole on Sunday, he will equal the record for most British Grand Prix pole positions by a driver. That's great. Uh, the British Grand Prix is one of only two races which has appeared in every round of the World Championships since it began in 1950. The other is the Italian Grand Prix, which we mentioned. Um, last year, Silverstone held its 50th World Championship Grand Prix. Uh, Vettel's only win at Silverstone to date was the third of his career back in 2009. Since then, he's won another 42 races. Uh, Danny Ricardo has finished on the podium five times in a row and during that time has racked up more points than anyone bar Vettel who has collected 85 in that time. Mm. Uh, Renault's Julian Palmer still looking for his first point of the year. He has come close with three 11th places in the last four races. God, <laughs> sucks. Uh, but with rumors abounding, he could lose his seat. He badly needs to break into the top 10. Mm. Agreed. And then what's the Verstappen count? He hasn't scored a point in the last three laces, places. Right. Races. Yeah, but he hasn't <laughs> finished five of the last seven either. God. The poor guy. So pretty bad. Uh, what was that stat about Silverstone? Is every, it's been in the championship. Because I remember Brands Hatch had the, had the British Grand Prix for... There, there's been a British Grand Prix every ah, year. Sorry, but yes. Silverstone has had it uh, 50 times. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Brands Hatch and Aintree as well. They did like a, you know, the German one. That, you know, they bounce between like Nurburgring and Hockenheim Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they did that for like a good while. I think um, Brands Hatch is a great track as well. Uh, I'm just looking at the weather here. It looks like race time will be oh about. 20 degrees Celsius or 70 degrees in the Fahrenheit. American? American temperature. Uh, kind Dude, of I'm just back from Celsius again. Don't make me go through this. It uh, <laughs> uh, looks like 16 miles an hour, 25 kilometers an hour for the wind. So a little windy Ooh. in Silverstone. Wow. Uh, and on that's for qualifying. And on race day, uh, similar wind. Um both places, not a lot of precipitation chance and uh, similar temperatures for race day with uh, both of them being cloudy. So right. should be good uh, good racing weather. Good stuff. Uh, tires, we got medium soft and super softs. It looks like most of the drivers are going pretty conservative, taking a relatively even mix of super soft and soft tires while nearly everyone is taking only one medium set 
Mercedes mm. is hedging the most, taking six of the super softs and six of the softs for Hamilton and six and five for Botas. Uh, Red Bull's taking eight super soft sets. Ferrari's taking nine, and McLaren and Kafiat are taking ten each, leaving only Jeez. two soft sets. So, kind of all over the place. Mm. Uh, should we take it around the world, Danny, like you? Let's do it. Let's around the world. Like you, Danny, Formula E is coming to the United States for a double header in the penultimate weekend of the season. Yes. Uh, race 10 and uh, 9 and 10 will be in New York. Race 10, or God, 11 and 12 will be in Montreal on July 29th and 30th. Exciting. It is. Have you watched uh, a lot of the season? I watched a good bit. I'm still a couple of races behind. I did not watch the latest doubleheader, so I need to go back and check that out before New York. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a few behind, but it's been it's been a really good season. Yeah, super uh, fun. But, you know, kind of they've all been pretty good. Uh, the World Endurance Championship is at the Nürburgring in Nuremberg, Germany, for the Nürnberg. six hours of the Nürburgring. Mm, in six hours. <laughs> IndyCar is on the streets of Toronto, Ontario, Canada for Honda Indy Toronto. The World Touring Car Championship is at Autodromo Provincial Termas de Rio Hondo in Termas de Rio Hondo, Argentina. Oh my God. Well done. That was good. All the Spanish lessons paying off <laughs> uh, for rounds 11 and 12 of their season. And NASCAR. Oh, yeah. They're at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway in Loudoun, New Hampshire for Loudoun. the Overton's 301. Overton. Overton's. The world's most trusted name in water sports and boating. <laughs> wow. Is that in the title? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll look that one up. <laughs> Their tagline is launching life in the water. Since oh, I like that. 76. Amazing. Formula 2 will once again be supporting F1 at Silverstone. Race 1 is Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Race 2 is Sunday, also at 11 a.m., both on the NBC Sports Network app. Mm. Formula 1 Friday is free practice 1, July 14th at 11 a.m. I'm sorry, 1 a.m., very different. Uh, Free practice 2 is July 14th at 5 a.m. Free practice 3, Saturday, July 15th at 2 a.m., qualifying 5 a.m. Jesus. Uh, race as well. Same. Also, 5 a.m. on Sunday, Ugh. July 16th. Qualifying Ugh. and the race both on CNBC in the U.S. Uh, free Practice 2 is live on the NBC Sports Network app and will air on NBC Sports Network proper at 11 a.m. the same. Good stuff. Day. 5 a.m. Hey, you can, can email us. If you want. Okay. Uh, at f1.cool slash emails. We're also oh, God, on Twitter. I have fixed. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, at Shift F1 Podcast for show updates <laughs> and any fun F1 stuff we run across. I am at Drew Scanlon. I am at Daniel Dwyer. Shout out this week to Maysara Ahmad or uh, at Yem Butter for yeah. passing along this Felix Rosenquist uh, tweet. Did you see this? No. All right, I'm going to send it to you and you're going to read it. Okay. It is, uh, <laughs> Felix says, He's, he's a race car driver, if you don't know. Uh, what actually goes on inside the head of drivers and engineers during the race? Oh, I have read this. This is so good. Um, 
Okay, so there's three different things that go through the heads. This is, uh, first of all, driver's thoughts of other drivers' qualifying results. Uh, pole driver. Driver was worse than me in karting and is only carried by an insanely good car. Uh, P10. He should do better with such a good team. What a wanker. P20. Wow, I didn't know this guy was in the championship. Who is he? Uh, driver's thoughts on his own qualifying results. Uh, pole. I'm the new Ayrton Senna and probably one of the most important people in the world right now. P10. I'm working my ass off and this all this is fucking car can do is P10. P20. I'm going to not turn I'm not going to turn up to the next race in this shitbox. Writes an excuse on social media first thing after jumping out of the car. And of course, the most important of them all, engineer's thoughts on his driver's qualifying results. Pole, the most unreliable part of the car, the driver didn't fuck up and used the car's potential. Good. P10. The car is very good, but the monkey cannot use the new tires. P20. Drinks coffee and books early tickets back home on Sunday and misses last five laps. Texting wife, another long weekend soon to end. <laughs> the trials and tribulations of an F1 driver and engineer. Yes, I, I've never been an F1 driver, but I imagine that's pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, Felix Rosenquist, by the way, is in Formula E and also Super Formula, apparently. Super. Super Formula. <laughs> uh, why, man, why haven't we said that? Super Formula. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes on f1.cool along with how to subscribe, the RSS, iTunes, Google Play, and whatever you're fancy. Uh, until next time, I am Drew Scanlon. I'm Daniel Dwyer. If you would like to support us, we are both on Patreon, me at uh, patreon.com slash Daniel Dwyer and Daniel Dwyer at patreon.com slash map. <laughs> Not sure that's how it works, but sure. <laughs> Good reason. I mean, either either way, we'll support this podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> we will see you all next week. Yeah.